You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. And welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law, and with me, my co-host, Paul Doroshenko. Hi, Kyla. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm exhausted. Are you? I'm, I'm pretty I've, tired, too. I've been in Williams Lake all week. I drove up here on Thanksgiving. I've uh, been in trial. It's been contentious. But it's over. Yeah. And you succeeded for your client. I did. In the end, the crown stayed the charges, but that was the appropriate thing. Appropriate thing to do. Last yeah. last June, when the trial was supposed to go ahead the first time, but you didn't get it stayed as a result of a delay. There was many other things, as I recall. Yes, there were a lot of problems, um, and you know, finally, I was sort of able to persuade someone to see it my way, <laughs> which is always nice. Sometimes it's more difficult than others to get to that point. Yes. So that's uh, what happened. I am now. So, so you're sitting in a hotel room. I'm sitting and, in a uh, hotel room. I'm uh, I'm tired. Uh, I've expended all of my emotional and, and, and mental energy working on this, this trial with the various issues that had come up. So well, there yeah. you go. Well, I'm tired too. It's been busy. Um, this has been, you know, October typically is our slow month where we get to sort of gather ourselves and do some of these other projects that we've got on the side. Mm-hmm. And this October has not been our slow month. Um, it has not been slow. Uh, it's been uh, just a steady flow of files coming in the door and work to do and so much work. And then at the same time, I would like to unpack my office since we moved. Well, I'd like my own office to be unpacked as well. I know. I hope to unpack some of your office in the last few days while you were away, and uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Yeah, I, I had a dream of coming back and like actually having pictures on my walls. I used to dream when I was a kid that when I went to my grandparents to stay overnight at my grandparents, that I'd come home and there'd be like a new swing set or there'd be some exciting, incredible wonderful gift nothing that i would have ever imagined that was just over the top and uh i was always disappointed no really i had that like my parents um i once went um i once went to nuka island for a hiking trip and when i got back my mom had sewed me this very beautiful um duvet for my bed and uh you're a millennial it's true. And I'm Gen X and parents didn't do such things. We were just lucky to come home and still have a home. Well. <laughs> but time marches on in any event. Uh, so there's uh, Gen X, millennials. What is the, what are the people who are like 20 now? What are they? They're Gen Z. Gen Z. Well, I guess the first case you want to talk about is somebody who's Gen Z. Actually, I didn't want to talk about that because I thought that we should be using our time. This is the last podcast before BC's municipal elections. Okay, well, you're up to speed on this probably because of your regular CBC show with Mo Amir. 
and Gloria Makarenko. Well, I also kind of pay attention to the political issues that affect our law and the community I live and work in. Yeah, but I, more so than me when it comes to civic politics, I pay close attention to federal politics. But Paul, there's so much in civic politics that right now relates to driving law. Okay, well, tell me all about it. We'll see whether or not I have an opinion. First of all, we have Ken Sim in Vancouver, uh, ABC Vancouver, uh, currently polling at likely to win the mayoralship and, and the majority council seats, who has been running like essentially a negative attack campaign on Kennedy Stewart, primarily on the basis of, well, among like all of the crime is all Kennedy Stewart. A, non, a non-issue. On the basis of a non-issue. On the basis of a non-issue, which is Kennedy Stewart's proposed but never implemented road tax. And something that could not be implemented. Yes. And I wanted to talk about that because I think, you know, before people go to the polls, um, they should understand why Kennedy Stewart can't and won't impose a road tax. But Kyla, how many people have been elected to some sort of office where they have power and control over people on the basis of a lie that they stated during the course of the campaign? What are you talking about, Paul? That never happens. Almost all of them. Yeah. Um, yes, I realize that. I realize that like lying during campaigning is is expected, basically, but our rarely, role rarely really significantly questioned. Our yeah. role, one of our roles on the Driving Law podcast is to make fun of people and one of our other roles is to educate the public about driving law related issues well i've seen this billboard for ken sim where he's talking about you know um kennedy stewart's road tax and uh it is frustrating i mean i'm i'm no big fan of the current mayor and the uh i i mean i'm 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 not behind any party in this no, me neither. Uh, the, um, but I, I really don't like it being a lie. But, you know, our, our current mayor has not been exactly a stellar mayor. It's been a long time since we had a mayor that the vast majority of the population liked. Yeah. I don't think I've ever lived in Vancouver when there was a mayor that the vast majority of the population liked. Oh, okay. Well, you haven't lived here as long as me. This is true. You're much, much older than me. Thanks. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the road tax. Why is it, Paul, since you, it makes you so upset? Why is it that Kennedy Stewart could not implement a road tax? Uh, Well, it seems to me that it's probably something that, um, that can only happen with the provincial government doing it. Why is that? Because, um, it's control over roads of high and highways. Uh, the provincial government has taxation um, authority, uh, and it might be written into some legislation that only they can tax a road. Yeah, I mean, effectively, it's it's outside the legislative powers of a municipal government to impose a tax on somebody 
for using a road, particularly when, like if you look at it, some of the roads that may be subject to this tax are also roads that are like not municipal roadways, but actually provincial highways, intra-provincial highways. And some of them may also be inter-provincial highways and thus the responsibility, or at least in part joint responsibility of the federal government. So municipality can't go around and start taxing people for using portions of the municipal that fall within the municipal boundaries that are properly the jurisdiction of federal or provincial governments. There you go. Okay. You sound so enthused. I'm glad that our listeners are going to get such well, a Well, I don't know. I don't I mean I I I haven't done an analysis of the legislation to think about whether or not it's something that the city could do. Um, but my understanding is that Kennedy Stewart has come out right and said we couldn't do it unless the province wanted us or permitted us to do it. And we're not asking for them to do it. So, you know, it doesn't seem like it should be an issue. Now, the other thing that's... But I can understand that people are floating. And, you know, the changes to the roadways... Um, putting in basically bike lanes all over the place in, uh, in much of Vancouver. And I'm not, I'm not lamenting the bike lanes. I ride my bike too. Uh, other cities have done this as well. I was in Edmonton recently. There's tons and tons of bike lanes now in Edmonton, um, which is um, somewhat surprising. Uh, but as a consequence, I mean, there's traffic congestion is awful. And getting around driving in, uh, on the peninsula, as soon as you cross a bridge going toward downtown, in Vancouver is miserable and removing some of those cars from the street by, you know, generating revenue from them. I mean, you, if you look at London, they were basically pushed into a position where <clears throat> some way or another, we have freedom of movement some way or another, you have to discourage people from going there. And if you're, if it's a user pay system, um, then you will discourage a certain number of people. They still have, you know, clogged roads but it's not nearly as bad as it was prior to that so you know i don't know that i'm opposed to it i don't like it i don't want it uh i i still think that the people who who uh have condos in whistler should be the ones who are paying for the expensive highway that we built for the uh for the olympics because it's really people driving from the it's wealthy people from the west side of vancouver driving to whistler on the weekend who are the ones enjoying it the people who are paying for it uh, you know, live, live in Kamloops. Uh, it's their tax money paying for it. So I don't know that it's wrong to have a user pay system. And I don't think it's wrong to discourage people from using the roads. And, you know, uh, I'm, I know Kennedy Stewart says he couldn't do it. I don't know that that would be something that would discourage me from voting for him in any event. Well, of course not. Um, but how I, I don't understand how you say a user pay system actually makes it more likely that people are not going to use the roads. To me, all a user pay system does is it imposes yet another financial burden and tax on working class people. You take have, five to 10 percent of people off from out of the road people from driving through there, people from just taking the leisurely trip where they're going to drive through Vancouver. But who are going to be motivated by money mm-hmm. not to take that leisurely trip through Vancouver? Oh, sure. The people who are, are poor, 
I mean, it's going to be the wealthy people who get to use it. But look, the wealthy people get to live in West Vancouver. The wealthy people get to live on the West Side. The people who are less wealthy are are living in Port Moody or or wherever. I mean, that's just an issue of of that is a user pay system in itself. Um, you know, and your taxes are higher as a consequence too, because your property values are so much higher. I mean, I, I, you, you can picture a time where Disneyland becomes so busy that not everybody that they have to discourage people from coming to Disneyland. Now they could do it a number of ways. They could make it a lottery of some sort. You could go and and do your best to plead your case, or they could charge more money because they're a business. And of course, some people who are less affluent are not going to be able to afford to do it. Right, but it's roads the same are same thing with the roads. No, it's not. Roads are a public a public work. Disneyland is a private entity. And you can bike through downtown still free, unless they start charging for that. That'll be a ways down the road. Um, you know, just just having a car, obviously, you're paying for for using the roads because a portion of your registration uh, goes toward maintaining the roads and goes to the the provincial coffers for that purpose. It's taxation. I don't, uh, you know, I don't. I think this sense that we are entitled to just use a road um, and and freely and not pay for it. You know, we we've, we've had toll roads in this province. We've had toll roads in other places of the world. Uh, the sense that we can just have roads and are are free to drive on them with at any no cost, um, no additional cost for use to me is uh, is something that could go away, especially as we become a more and more overcrowded country, world, globe. I disagree. I think that that roads are a fundamental right because you can't achieve your right to travel freely between provinces and throughout Canada without a means by which to do it. Well, when the Coquihalla was a toll road for the longest time, you paid, you stopped at the top yeah. and you paid your money to go over that highway. And then Gordon Campbell, who was a very well-liked mayor in Vancouver, he was uh, mayor from 1986 to 1993, so re-elected. Once he became the premier, he got rid of that toll road. And you know what? That made him, that increased his popularity significantly. And then, of course, the BC Liberals created uh, toll roads on the new highways and on the, uh, uh, I guess it's the Port Man Bridge. Is that the one they had it on? I think so. Um, And then uh, when the NDP got in, they ran on the same platform of of roads are free and we're going to get rid of the toll for it. We're going to pay for it out of public coffers. Um, and of course, uh, that worked great for John Horgan. Uh, it, uh, uh, lots of people in the Valley were suddenly more sympathetic to him. So I think you're probably on the side of the populace. Um, and, uh, I don't no, know that I necessarily agree. No, no, you're probably on the side of the population of most people would probably agree with you. Uh, but I, I don't know that I do. And I think you know, push is going to come to shove down the road and we're going to have to deal with that. Um, but it's not going to be Kennedy Stewart doing it. That's for sure. Well, here's the other thing I wanted to talk about, about Ken Sim. Um, yeah. Likely to become mayor of Vancouver, unless people listening to this podcast decide to vote, vote differently. And that's Ken Sim's desire to expand the car 
what is it, CAR 15, CAR 13 program that uh, Vancouver police use by hiring 100 more police officers and a bunch of mental health nurses. So for those who don't know, this program is a police vehicle that is uh, manned by both the police officer and a mental health nurse for the purposes of responding to and addressing people who are in mental health crisis with non-police-based approaches, even though they are the police. Well, I think the idea of having the police officer there is to protect the mental health worker. Yeah, well, that just assumes that people who are having mental health crises pose dangers to people who are trained and specialize in mental health. Mm, I think it's purely a, a safety issue and a, an issue of protecting a worker. But in any event... They don't have police officers in mental health wards. No, they usually have a few burly guys. <laughs> Um, the, um, so this is not exactly a driving issue, but but it is is a policing issue. It's a car program. Yeah. Well, that's just because it's in a police car, Kyla. Well, I'm, I'm connecting driving law to all sorts of all sorts of things. I know that's true. Um, well, here's the thing. It's really sad for me that police, in my view, always behave politically in the course of uh, civic elections. So um, I'm, 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 I don't like it to be a discussion where the police are sort of at issue. I think the police should always be arm's length. Yeah, I, I agree. And remember that Ken Sim is the one that's being endorsed by the Vancouver Police Union. Is he? I didn't know that was him. I didn't know he was the one. I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah. You sure it's not uh, that other Harding or somebody like that? No, no. they endorsed Mm. Ken Kim. Yeah. And the idea that the Vancouver Police Union, which is not a real union, and also a group of people who are city employees who have very particular interests yeah. are to, to have, have them hold a debate and endorse a candidate. That's concerning because the uh, mayor yeah. becomes the chair of the police board. Yeah. It's, it concerns me for many different reasons. Um, it concerns me because it, makes it look like the police are attempting to strong arm and have some control over the mayor. Mm-hmm. Right. We can, we made you, and yeah, we, can endorse you. Out. we endorse you and we can endorse somebody else next time. You owe us. Yep. Um, there's that. Uh, there's also no legitimate purpose I could see for um, the police union to do that aside from that. And it makes them look like thugs. Well, um, I don't say that word because you don't like the that term, but I use it in the term that it was commonly used in, in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, and not to 2022, I guess. Um, but my generation has a different view of it. But the point here is that it makes them look like makes them look like bullies. How's that? Yeah, it does make them look like bullies. And that's a term I, I don't like to use because I I think it's widely and broadly used now for circumstances where it's not appropriate. 
And I think also concerning about all of this is Ken Sims, somebody who's promised to hire more police officers and put more money into the police. Kennedy Stewart had said, I don't want to give the police more money. I'm, you know, we should slash the police budget. They have too much money already. He was kind of like aiming for defunding the police or at least, you know, uh, an approximation thereof. Ken Sim is doing the opposite of what a defund the police movement would say that you would do. I don't know. I just, the optics of it are terrible. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the money aspect of it is obviously the motivation. Yeah. But the, the coercive aspect of it is the thing that bothers me the most. And, and I, the fact that police officers are supposed to be, I mean, we as lawyers uh, don't have to be apolitical unless we want to be judges, um, which neither one of us want to be. Uh, but police officers have a different role. Uh, you know, they're, they're supposed to be civilians in uniform who are are generally disinterested in that, that aspect, and they're just merely to uphold the law. And so it gives the impression that the police are taking a political stand, which is not uncommon, but I think wrong. It's also, I mean, I, I think this election, unlike any other municipal election we've seen, has focused very heavily on crime, something that the municipality doesn't really have a lot of control over. Municipal governments don't have a lot of control over, but every sort of candidate running is like, I'm going to stop the crime in Vancouver by using magical powers that don't exist, kind of like road taxes. Um, and I, I, I don't like the idea of when that is such a thematic issue in the election, the police union getting as, is, as involved as they do because you have people who are legitimately scared, whether that's, you know, whether that's justified or not, you know, can be debated, but people who are really feeling fear, walking down the street, being out and about in the community, fear for their safety. And I think when the police union picks this election to come out and hold a debate and endorse a candidate, they're saying, you will continue to feel fear unless you vote for who I want. I think it plays directly into people's vulnerabilities in a in a sick way. Uh, yeah, I agree with the second part of your your premise that that's what it does. I don't um, agree that the city has no influence over that um, policing and safety because they of course have the 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 control over the police budget um, and like, you know, the, generally the budget meets the recommendations that are are made. It's not a it's not just some uh, political decision that's made on a whim. Yeah, um, candidates like Fred Harding, mayoral candidate for the NPA, uh, making videos publicly saying that he's going to ensure that all repeat offenders are not granted bail unless they're placed on a no-go restriction to all of Vancouver. Well, look, he's a wing nut. Uh, in that, <laughs> as far as that's concerned, he's 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 far out on the. Uh, it, it makes no sense, and of course he can't do that. But the uh, and we discussed that before. But you know, you can put a cop on every corner if the taxpayers want to pay for it. 
you're going to have police all over the place and it will reduce crime. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it can do the job. It's just not what you want to pay for. And nobody wants to live in a feel oppressed in a police state. At least I don't want to. Um, but the city does have control over that. They have control over policing. They just don't have control over the, how the justice system plays out after that. And the justice system, you know, is an issue of uh, start with the charter and then everything else flows from there. Yeah. Um, speaking of the justice system and mayoral candidates and driving law, let's talk a little bit about Surrey. Okay, let's talk about Surrey. So, um, sir, we have a mayoral candidate, foolishly, in my opinion, attempting to uh, be re-elected while in the midst of a trial related to an allegation that he made up a fake story about somebody running over him with a car. Yes, and uh, of course, he's... Uh, important in the driving law context because it's the policing context. Um, this is uh, Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum. Yep. Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, for those who are across the province, he is uh, notorious as kind of a uh, sort of Rob Ford character. Um, he uh, suggested at one point that he thought that the city should build canals so they could have gondolas. Um, that didn't go very far, but he ran on a platform of, uh, getting rid of the RCMP in Surrey. So different municipalities in British Columbia have different police forces, I suppose, as they do across the country. Uh, but, uh, many municipalities use the RCMP. So even significant ones like Kamloops and Kelowna and Surrey and Port Coquitlam have the RCMP as their police force and it's a you know paid for contract. Well, there was a discussion for a long time that Surrey should create its own police force. One sort of wonders why um, when the police are supposed to be arm's length that you would need to create a police force unless you were trying to influence um, somehow them in a, a inappropriate manner. But in any event, Vancouver has its own police force, and so does even Little Port Moody and and uh, and Nelson. And West so Vancouver. I'm sorry. And West Vancouver. Sure, West Vancouver does as well. And if if New Westminster and West Vancouver can have their own police force, then why shouldn't Surrey? So he ran on that basis and was elected on that basis, and. I don't know that they had a plebiscite on it. I can't remember, but in any event, um, that was enough. Uh, and they've made all the steps to do it. They've hired people. They're training people. We're seeing files now where the police officer is with the Surrey police force. Um, it was a bit of a joke, but now this candidate is running. He is currently charged with um, mischief, I think. Yep. In relation to this. Um, sorry? Public mischief. Public mischief. Um, and um, it was uh, related to a protest or a protester uh, with respect to the um, uh, creation of, a, of their own police force and getting rid of the RCMP in Surrey. Uh, and there's been some discussion. Would they turn it around at this point? And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, 
I was just fine with the RCMP. And the RCMP has certain issues. Um, and we could probably spend a few hours going through our perception of the RCMP issues. And we might scratch the surface of it. And if we could get a RCMP officer on here to talk about it, we would probably have many, many, many more hours uh, oh, yeah. of issues with the RCMP. Uh, bureaucracy is certainly a significant issue. Um, and uh, feeling over overregulated, I guess, um, to some extent, and then feeling not supported um, at the same time as you're overregulated, you're not supported. Yeah. I, I would say that that's probably a trend in society generally. I certainly feel that way as a lawyer. Overregulated, not supported. But <laughs> um, the um, the uh, question is. Could they turn it around? And there are candidates who are running on the platform of, despite the fact that we've spent, you know, tens of millions of dollars creating our own police force, I'd go back to the RCMP. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. But what I find very interesting... No, I'm not, I'm not saying that I would. There's candidates that, that are promising that. And I just wonder if I was like a, a voter in Surrey, I don't think I would want that. I mean, I'd say we've committed, we've stayed the course, let's just do it now. Well, Brenda Locke, who is probably likely to be Surrey's next mayor if Doug McCallum doesn't get reelected, and they're kind of head-to-head, um, she originally supported the Keep the RCMP in Surrey movement, and now she is made an about or sorry, she initially supported the, the Surrey police force and now she's made an about face and she's supporting the keep the RCMP in Surrey movement. It's one of her campaign promises that she'll walk this back. I think it would be relatively easy to walk back at this point. I mean, the people who are hired will have to go back to their old jobs or find new jobs, but the, there is not an active Surrey police force doing policing. So it's a lot easier than if they were already there and the RCMP had already pulled out. Well, I mean, we are seeing, I'm seeing IRP reports that say the Surrey police force. Um, and so the transition is happening. The, the, the question is, are, you know, I mean, they could, they could run the two parallel at the same time. They could do a slower transition or they could turn it around and back up, back out of it. But I would think that, a. a if I was running for office, I'd be saying, okay, a significant portion of the population in Surrey wanted this. Um, uh, policing is a perpetual um, significant concern. And, you know, I'll say it wasn't always a perpetual significant concern in my life, but it is in many areas of British Columbia where we feel that um, property crimes in particular are have just come to be normalized um that um i i would be unwilling to say that i would want to override what people's view was in a previous municipal election unless more time went by and so i keep thinking of brexit you commit to something big you can't just turn around and there's other partners right there's the federal government there's everybody who's a uh, deals with the RCMP as a supplier. There's other partners who rely on those relationships too, who have to have some certainty. 
No? Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I think Surrey is such a mess. Um, the driving law issues, the SkyTrain extension, the the RCMP versus police transition, all of those things, I, I think, make it very interesting as an analytical thing on this podcast. And I do think that if somebody were elected and they wanted in the course of, of uh, their mayorship or with the support of council to change things that Doug McCallum did, I don't think it would be difficult to undo what he's done. And I don't think it would be difficult to get support from the community for doing it, even if it would be um, expensive or have some ramifications as far as what's been implemented so far in relation to Well, I, I disagree with you. I guess uh, it's up to the uh, people of Surrey to make their choice. Yeah. Um, Surrey uh, is is interesting because the um, you've got a population of over half a million people, and and that's gone from like the 1980s where it was the population of 35,000 people or something like that. So explosive, explosive growth. Um, and I wonder if people in other parts of Canada understand just how large and significant Surrey is as a population. Um, and I'm always surprised that we here in Vancouver, I mean, the population of Vancouver is, is not huge. It, it, it's all of the lower mainland that is huge. Uh, Vancouver is a fairly small space, but Vancouver gets all the news, gets all the media. And one wonders if people in outside of the lower mainland have any idea how big and significant Surrey is. And I'm also surprised that there isn't 12 radio stations in Surrey. Yeah, I mean, I can't answer that. I, I would. I, I just that's just my non-driving law related issue of Surrey. Well, there you go. Well, Paul, it's yeah. time. For us to talk about something else entirely. Oh, could it be? The Ridiculous Driver of the Week. The reviews are in. This book has been a lifesaver. If you haven't bought a copy yet, I can't recommend it enough. Thanks to the pinpoint method, I feel like I now have concrete strategies I can employ for difficult situations. Published by LexisNexis, cross-examination the pinpoint method is an essential addition to your bookshelf. Order now. Uh, this one's pretty darn funny. So this is um, a... I don't even know how to describe it. I'll just read the title of the... Uh, the story, which is Naked College Head Arrested for Allegedly Driving Around While Pleasuring Himself. So this is a, a provo of Eastern Michigan University. A local truck, truck driver pulls up alongside him on a road near the campus, gets out his camera because he sees something that he thinks is disturbing, which is this man, Mr. Two, undressed, driving down, fondling himself with the top down in the Jeep so, like, everyone can see it. It's broad daylight. And, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's video. Um, Dean Jones humiliates himself 
Yeah. <laughs> not his, not, like, that's not his name. I mean, uh, pretty funny though. If you can, Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, it's a Jeep Wrangler. If you Eastern Google, Michigan University. <laughs> Google it. You can see that there would have been a very clear line of sight for many people of this man. Uh, I guess driving a stick shift. Shall we say? Yeah. Ah ha 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 ha. I... We are troubled and concerned about it, said the university. <laughs> it's been yeah. a faculty member and administrator at the university since 1989. Uh, well, who knows what's going on? You know, people's brains change and sometimes they change back. Yep. Yep. And sometimes, you know, you're really stressed and you just need a little release. Well... You'd think you would have found a better spot. The provost of Eastern Michigan University. Well, any uh, kids who get in trouble there um, <laughs> in the next little while should say, look, I'm not as bad as the dean. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's like, or, or, or what they should do is they should say that they saw the dean and they were so shocked and horrified that they acted out. Oh, they're making themselves into a victim? I don't think so. I think probably just deal with it as I'm not as bad as the dean. Everybody makes mistakes. Look at the dean. Of course, he was fired, so <laughs> that may not that might it may not keep you from being expelled for whatever you do wrong. But um, I think uh, in the future maybe they will have like parties to the dean that it'll become a ongoing joke on campus. What are yep. you doing? Oh, what do you think you're that come in on your room on your uh, one of your uh, uh, dormitory roommates um, masturbating. And who do you think you are, the dean? You need an art installation where, like, before your exams, it's, it's school tradition to rub the dean's knob for good luck. <laughs> it's a knob. It's not his penis. <laughs> yeah. uh, All right. Okay. Well, that's our podcast. If you have any questions related to the upcoming municipal elections and driving law issues, I guess you could call us, but probably just, you know, reach out to the candidates. Uh, they're looking for your votes in the 11th hour. Don't forget to vote in the upcoming election. And if you need to reach us related to a driving law issue, you can find us online at VancouverCriminalLaw.com or give us a call at 604-685-8889. And tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law.